Great is his name. Give him a praise in the house today. Great is your name. Great is your name. Oh, the Lord's so awesome. I tell you, if you're sitting in here today, and I'm going to look down so I don't make anybody think I'm talking about him. But if you're in here today and you haven't felt the Lord's presence here today, then you need to tune in because he's here. Uh, the Lord was speaking to me. I've got a, uh, I was trying to look in here. The Lord told me to, when he, I pray, God, what do you want to speak to the church? And there's one point in the scripture that talked about, and the disciples praised his name. And we're going to be from Matthew chapter 14 today. But, but it was talking about that, that there's highlights of that chapter that I had. And, and one of them was, you know, the disciples praise his name. And I didn't have anything else beside that. And, and I thought, Lord, what do you want me to say today or to that note? And I'd been praying about it. And, and anyway, the disciples, when they were going through this difficult time in chapter 14 of Matthew, when the storm was raging and when all hell was breaking loose around them, Jesus comes to them walking on water, and we'll get into that later, but they praised his name because he was the son of God, because he calmed the storm. He had power over it. And we praise God and we give praises to the Lord today because he's had power over situations in our life, and we praise God that he's the son of God. So a lot of you today, we don't know what to praise the Lord about uh, well, because Jesus is the son of God, that, that God came to us because he wanted a relationship with us. You know, a lot of you today may be hurting and, and feel like church isn't your place, that, that, that you're tired, you're weary, that, that you don't belong here, nobody likes me. Uh, all these things may be going through our hearts today. For those sitting in here today, and I tell you, you're in the right place because Jesus wants you here and he's the son of God, and he can touch your life. And when he does touch your life, you're going to be praising his name that he's the son of God. And I want you to think on that today. And, and that's the point that was further down in the sermon. But, but I was like, Lord, how do you want me to say that? And that's what it is. We praise God because Jesus is the son of God. And, th- and that should open the whole world up for us. We praise God today because Jesus is the son of God that Gary is with him today. Think about that. We praise God that, that, that Jesus is the son of God because that baby's in Taylor's arms today. I was going to come grab it. You got him bound up there. And I was looking around. Doug, your family's not here today. They just, Doug's another grandpa. He's an old man over there. But, but praise God we can be old man and grandpa, right? You know, uh, I'll, we'll introduce them when they get here. They just had the baby Friday. But praise God, Jesus is the son of God. And, and it just, there's so much we got to worship him for. And when we begin to do that, all these things are going to break down around us. They're going to break down around us. And that's what we need to remember today. You can go ahead and be seated or I'll just keep preaching. But, but, but the Lord put on my heart today. Basically, the whole week, Jesus kept telling me, don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. That's what you speak this week. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Uh, speak on uh, these things that we talked about last week. And, and it's the same thing, really. And, but Isaiah 41.10 says, and the Lord really burnt this on my heart. Fear not. 
for I am with you. Man, that's something to praise God about today. Fear not, for I am with me, with you. Man, I had a wicked dream last night, and, and, and all I can remember about it was it was a heavy and it was a battle, and one of you were fighting it with me in this church. And I've already thanked them for doing that for me in that dream anyway. Because God puts people in our lives to minister to us. We are not alone. God is with us. And he puts people around us. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Spencer, when I look out at you today, you just give me stuff to talk about. You know, you're holding the baby. I think the last couple of times Spencer's been here, he texts me, Pastor, where are you at? You know, I think he thinks I'm avoiding me. Oh, hi, Spencer. But, but the baby there, that's kind of, congratulations. <laughs> no, okay, so, all right, just, just checking, just checking, just checking, just checking. But, but Spencer's so easy to give the Lord, give a hard time, you know, but, but Spencer, praise God that Jesus is the son of God and you can put up with guys like me. Amen. Amen. (laughs) But, but what do we fear in life? You know, what are we anxious about? And, and there's so many things we could write down. So I challenge you right now to write down on a piece of paper or pull your phone out and text somebody. What are you anxious about right now? What are you afraid of right now? What, what is distracting you right now? Maybe what brought you here today? And I, and I want to say to you Jesus' words again from Matthew 14 when he told his disciples, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I want you to remember that. And now I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 14. And and we're going to bounce around in there. I'm all over the place in what I want to do today. But, But Jesus came saying, do not be afraid. And we're dealing with life and and death and everything in between there. Do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. We see in Matthew chapter 14 that, that John the Baptist was just beheaded. We could preach on that today. You see the, the feeding of the 5,000. And, and we might talk on that today. You see the disciples were caught in the storm. And we could talk about that today and then Jesus walking on water, and we'll probably get into that some. But, but you see all these things that are going on in life that have to do with, 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 with life and death and everything in between taking place. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. I'm the son of God. Not Kent. Jesus is the son of God. I guess I am the son of God when I accept him Christ as my Lord, but I'm not Jesus. But yet I can do all things in Christ Jesus that he did because he's gone to be the father. So that's another sermon. But we see here that, and I want to set the stage up for, we're going to read um, uh, 1413 first, through the walking on water. But I want to set it up a little bit here. But, but Jesus just fed the 5,000 
and he goes off to pray, or actually he sends his disciples away to the sea and tells them to meet him on the other side, and then he goes and prays. And so the, the, the disciples go out on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee really is just a big lake. It's 13 miles long, 7 miles wide. It's 160 foot to 200 foot deep. It's about 685 feet below sea level, surrounded by mountains on the north and cliffs and on the east and the west, west side of it. So when the sun heats up during the day and the warm, dry air comes off the mountains and collides with the cool, moist air off that lake, great storms are produced. And so Jesus, you know, he goes off to pray and then he sends his disciples out to sea. And then we're going to see in the story that, that great, a great storm brewed up. Well, there was a storm that happened on the Sea of Galilee in 1992 and in my lifetime, and this storm produced 10 feet tall waves on the Sea of Galilee. So it's pretty serious. I mean, 10 foot waves, that's quite a bit. And again, Jesus goes off to pray. So the disciples here, they're out in the middle of this lake, and 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 they've been working at it for a long time. They've been beaten by uh, the waves. And we're going to read about this here in a second, but I want to talk about that. But, but they left in the evening, which was around dusk. You know, we could even say nine o'clock. But the scripture will say uh, that Jesus didn't come to them until the fourth hour. So they're fighting this storm for at least six to nine hours. They're rowing and fighting against this storm, possibly 10 foot high waves. They're in the battle. And they're so upset that the, when Jesus did come, they thought it was a ghost to come take him to hell. They, they thought they were done. And we're going to read about that. But Jesus responded, take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. And so today, as we read Matthew 14, you know, what are you going through in life? What did you write down on your piece of paper? You know, you say that, oh, I don't have nothing. Well, I've, I've got a lot that I've wrote down. And because and, and, the older I get, the more I depend on the Lord. And the older you get, the more you'll depend on the Lord because you're getting to know him a little bit better and you're, more and you'll realize how much he is doing everything around you if you let him. But Matthew 14, 22, we'll just read this now so you can kind of got a context or a texture behind it. But immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Now I'm going to stop there and I'm going to jump down because I've been debating on whether to talk about why did Jesus send them out in the storm all alone and, and, and then him go to pray. And guys, I believe Jesus was interceding for the disciples. I believe that, that, that he went into, well, he went into prayer. It says that Jesus went to pray, but I believe he was interceding for them. I believe that that he was in the battle for them because he knew what they were going into. And guys, the scripture says in Romans 8, 34, who is to condemn Christ Jesus, the one who died more than that who was raised, who was at the right hand of God. So there's that son of God theme again. Jesus is the son of God. But then the scripture said, who indeed is interceding for us. Well, I believe Jesus went to the mountains to intercede for the disciples because he knew that there's a storm before him, that there's a trial, there's a tribulation before him, and he went to intercede and, and, and pray for them. And you probably think, well, they didn't do very good. 
How do you know they didn't do very good? They could have died that day. But, but either way, we need to recognize how powerful it is for us to pray. Meaning for us to write down things on a paper that we're wanting the Lord to deal with, that we're anxious or maybe fearful for, or, or just things that we may not even be there yet, but we need to lift to God. And, and we need to pray so that Christ can intercede with us. And, and again, uh, first, or Thessalonians 4, 17 says, pray continuously, meaning we should never stop praying. Why? Because Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. And you jump back in Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for when we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And when he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There's a lot in that. But what it's saying is Jesus is interceding and your spirit's interceding that Jesus is going to come in there. And if what you're praying and doing is according to the will of God, boom, it's going to happen. Now, I don't think the disciples were praying and, well, they may have been praying there and interceding, but they, I guess they couldn't yet because the Holy Spirit hadn't come. But, but either way, let's go back to the reading there. But we need to lift these things before God that we're praying and pray and intercede with the Lord because our spirit talks with God's spirit. But after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves. Uh, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to, to them. Walking on the sea... But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. So we can see now why that they were able to worship because they were dead in their own eyes. And Jesus came in and calmed the storm. And they praise God because he was the son of God. But there's so many things in here that we can talk about today. You know, we see that, that, that Peter says, God, if this is you or Jesus, if this is you, you know, tell me to come to you. And the Lord really spoke to me. That is back to that scripture idea that if God or Jesus says it and we do it, we're going to be okay. Just got to keep our eyes on him. So again, that's why it's so important to, to, to pray according to God's will. We heard that in all this lots of scripture today already in Romans, praying according to God's will. That's the scriptures. And that's the things that we know how to, or we should be doing. So Jesus said to Peter, you know, Jesus said, or Peter said, okay, but you got to tell me to come. Did you get that? You got to tell me to come. So Jesus says to Peter, come. He commanded him to come to me. Verse 28, 
So Peter got out of the boat, and a lot of people, we like to dig Peter. How many of you have walked on water? How many of you have took one step on water? I haven't. I don't want to try either, but no. A lot of us don't want to try. That'd preach. I better just keep going. But, but Peter, I believe he took a few steps. Because again, these waves are rolling in 10-foot waves, and I don't believe Jesus was standing right against the boat. And, and, and again, they couldn't really seem well. They thought he was a ghost. And so I believe he's a little bit, at least to me and Joe away, but he walked on water far enough that when he fell and cried out to Jesus, Jesus reached out, what? His hand and grabbed him. What did Isaiah say? Did you guys catch that today? That's why I love the Lord so much is that when he gave me Isaiah, I hadn't put these together. But Isaiah 40.10 says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When Peter came and was following the will of God and doing what God told him to do, he did get his eyes off Jesus a little bit and he began to fall. And what did Jesus do but reaches out? I'm sure Jesus was right-handed. Either way, but he reaches out with his hand and lifts him up. And that's what the Lord said he would do, this son of God that we can pray to today and know that we can reach out our hands to him when we don't feel it, we don't think God's there, we feel all alone, we even think we may be seeing some ghosts. And we're not sure, but we know we're sinking and we cry out to Jesus, he's going to grab us with his right hand. He's going to hang on. And he's going to say, take heart and do not be afraid. The other thing I recognize from that scripture, when we let Jesus in the boat, the storm was immediately calmed, ceased. When Jesus got into the boat, the wind ceased, verse 32. My point is, is that have you ever been in that battle and you're just feeling torn up and you finally go to the altar teams or you go somewhere to pray yourself and you begin to worship him? You notice the storm ceases because you let Jesus in the boat. So if your boat's sinking today, cry out. Jesus will grab your hand and he'll come get in the boat with you and he'll bring you through. And then you can worship him by saying, truly, you are the son of God. And that's why a lot of you think, What's the big deal, you know? And I don't like to get into this disaffiliation stuff, but, but when there, some words are floated out there that Jesus isn't the Son of God, that takes away the power. So it is a big deal. And I think that's what's wrong with Americans today is we don't recognize Jesus as the Son of God like we used to. And we need to pray and trust. And you, I hear it all the time, but I got to get this right first. Did Peter get it right? No, he was drowned. He thought he was a ghost. He didn't even recognize him in the beginning. So, guys, come on. Pastor David just texted me from Liberia, and that's in front of us. Just popped up here, and 
But that's where we're at, is we can be anxious and afraid about what's ahead of us. But we just got to cry out to Jesus and bang, he's going to be right there with us. So prayer changes things. I want to jump back up to Matthew. um, To I think I already to the uh, is it fourteen? I've already told you fourteen thirteen. I read something else, but let's go back to fourteen thirteen. And Jesus feeding the five thousand here. And and anyway, I'd read I'd got off and jumped ahead there to the Matthew fourteen twenty two through thirty three. So I'm back to where I want to be. But um, but Jesus, God came with compassion. And I think that's where we struggle as individuals is we don't realize the compassion that Jesus has for us. And, and we see here there's a feeding of the 5,000. And, and I always make comment when something's in the scripture in all four gospels, then we better pay attention. Well, the feeding of the 5,000 is in Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. And then uh, also then... In a couple chapters later, or one chapter in some cases, uh, Jesus, Jesus feeds the 4,000 in Matthew 15 and Mark 8. And the reason this is so cool, and I preached on this before, but the feeding of the 5,000 was Jews, considered God's people. The feeding of the 4,000 were considered the Gentiles. You guys know that? That's why that's important. And, and again, I preached that way back. You can go look it up and maybe listen to it. But, but what I'm trying to tell you today is Jesus came for all of us. And he had compassion. And we need to pay attention to that. Now, when Jesus heard this, um, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. And, and guys, he just had heard that John the Baptist was beheaded. But when the crowds heard it, or when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from town, from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. The disciples said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he, said to, to, and he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking five loaves, of, loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven and said, a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over and those who ate were about 5,000 besides men and women. And so again, uh, 5,000 men, well, Jewish tradition is they didn't count women or children. So there could have been up to 25,000 people. But my point is five loaves of bread. This is five loaves of bread. And these may be a little bit smaller than what they had that day. But five loaves. And there's one fish. And they've been setting out a day. And here's another fish. Now think about that, though. 
Think about it. Jesus just preached all day. When did they go fishing? So who knows? I'm not going to read between the lines. You can. But these have been out all day, and it's just noon. And it was the evening whenever Jesus... Anyhow. But Jesus had compassion, and he saw the crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. You know, what really stood out to me, and and you're going to see T1, T2 today, because I just wrote down some thoughts today. So thought one is Jesus had compassion even during death. Jesus had just lost his cousin. Get that? His cousin, the prophet that was to go and announce him. Here comes the king. Did you guys realize that? That's John the Baptist. He'd just been told that he had been beheaded. Matthew 14, 10 says, King Herod sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to a girl, and she brought it to, brought it to her mother And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. That's why Jesus went off to be alone. So his best friend, probably, cousin, I'm tight with my cousins, good friends with my cousins, and and he found out that they're beheaded. And could you go and have compassion on 5,000 people when one of your best friends and companions were just beheaded? Man, that's compassion. You say Jesus don't care about you? Yeah, he does. And to have compassion for the people that, or he later would have compassion for the people that beheaded his, his cousin. Guys, no matter what you've done in Christ Jesus, He has compassion. No matter what you think you've done today that's so bad, Jesus has compassion. You're in the right place today. You need to be in the presence of the Lord. T2, Jesus was touched by the compassion because they're in a desolate place. And that ought to make us even uh, more excited because Jesus got past his hurt to see your hurt. You think about that? As believers, we need to start doing that or or work at that. But Jesus got past his hurt to see your hurt. They were in a desolate place. Desolate means joyless, uncomfortable, sorrowful, separated from loved ones. In this case, God. The same place. You know, Jesus had just experienced this horrible thing. And he had compassion. And the words in Mark, if you go read Mark's version of it, in 634, that Jesus said they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And they were sick, and so he healed them, and he fed them. Again, no matter what you've done, Christ has compassion for you. And a lot of people say, well, I just, I just mean to Christ. I, I can't, I just sin all the time. I just, he just, I'm always all over him. He, there's no way he could love me. I'm a sinner. Yeah. He has compassion. He sees you where you're at. And this compassion T3 allows us to go to him in prayer. And that's what we're talking about earlier today. We need to go pray. 
So when we see the compassion that Jesus has for us, that we can go pray in, in order for us to receive grace, mercy, and help in our time of need. And because of time, I'll let you look them up. But Matthew 6, 31 and 32, he's talking about don't be anxious, don't be afraid. But he ends that up by seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything else will be added to you. Hebrews 4, 14, since we have such a great high priest that passed through the heaven, Jesus, son of God, let us hold fast our confession. In other words, Jesus sympathizes with our weakness. Let's go with confidence to the throne and receive mercy and grace in our time of need and help. He'll help. Hebrews 7, 25, we can just go on and on. But as I said earlier, Jesus expects us to be good Samaritans. And you guys know the Samaritan story. So, you know, I keep comparing that we can go to Jesus, that then we become like Jesus. And we need to operate the same way he does. Even when we're hurting inside, we need to see those hurting around us and minister to them and minister to their needs. And be honest with you guys, that will pull you through. You know, Gary always kids me about the first trip that I took overseas uh, on the plane. I was scared to death, and I had a bad experience when I was flying with Freeman, and and in any way, uh, I wasn't really wanting to get back on a plane. And and but you know what got my mind off of my anxieties and fears in that plane ride? Gary likes to think it's him, and it was a little bit. But I began to pray for other people on the plane. I began to look around and see who was anxious or or I could see a baby was upset and crying or and I began to focus and pray on those things. And then I began to minister to a guy and the Lord told me to bring a book and, and I hadn't even hardly read it and I got talking to him about it and, and I gave the guy a book that wasn't even a Christian and I'm believing he got saved. And so when we get off our minds off of our anxieties, and start looking around at others and begin to pray for them, it also brings healing into our life. But T4, Jesus performed great miracles in their lives. Five loaves of bread, two fish. Jesus performed a great miracle. And another thing, Lord had been dealing with me on two different things this week, and I won't get into the other part, but, but, but it was a word the Lord told me to give a person. And as I was studying this, the Lord hit me that Jesus came to come in full power. And I went back and studied and was studying in 2 Kings 4, 42 through 44, where Elijah fed 100 men with 20 loaves and was considered one of the greatest prophets at all, of all. But Jesus was God and performed even great, greater miracles. And, and we need to think about that. In the Old Testament, Elijah, we all say we want to be Elisha or we want to be Elijah or we want to be David. Or we, and they're all great men and, and women of God in the Old. But just think, when Jesus is in them, in us, we can be like Jesus. Think about this great miracle. Jesus, T5, compassion satisfies. Jesus, compassion satisfies. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they all ate and were satisfied. 
prayed with a couple of people this week. One that was over here in the middle of the week, and we prayed, and they were satisfied. Amen? Jesus paid in full all that we would ever need so that we could be satisfied. T6, and he did it to bless his people. Then he said a blessing over the bread, and blessing means to invoke divine care. Did you guys realize that? That blessings means to invoke divine care. He invoked a blessing over the bread so that he could care for 5,000 people, and it multiplied. And we see that, that he told his disciples to gather the left up, or gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And that's in John 6, 12 version, because bread was regarded by the Jews as a gift from God. And it was required that scraps that fell on the ground during the meal be picked up, that fragments, that fragments were collected in smaller wicker baskets that were carried off as a part of the attire. Each disciple returned with a full basket. And I read that from the NIV uh, study Bible, but, but they gathered the blessings and they bask in the presence of God after he did his work. Guys, we are blessed by the Lord and he wants to bless your situations. And in closing today, T7, the 5,000 had to obey Jesus' words to receive and it, it kind of bugged me when I was reading about the 5,000 and the 4,000. And today, on the, on when we read in today's passage in Matthew 14, then he ordered the crowds to set down on the grass. He ordered them to. That's pretty strong language. Jesus, or Peter said to Jesus, you command me. Command is telling you to do something. And when Jesus commanded him, as long as he kept his eyes on him, they were fed. Same way these people, if they wouldn't have went and sat down, would they have received the blessing? Probably not. If they would have left and said, this is not possible, he's only got them stinky fish and, and five loaves of bread, and they left, they wouldn't have received the blessing. They had to obey. Mark 8, 6, he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. Sit down on the ground. When we obey, we will receive an abundance from the Lord and we will experience these same blessings. But again, we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And, and I don't want you to run out here thinking that Peter was a failure. Peter was not a failure. And again, how many of you have walked on water? What I'm saying is, is that I don't care how intense your storm is. If you press in and, and keep your eyes focused on him, you will get through it. And when you get away a little bit, Jesus will grab you up again. It's kind of a story of our life that, that we're trying our best to stay centered in, but, but we get caught up in what people say about us, and, and we got to get reeled back in. And we'll head out a little bit here, and we'll get caught up in this over here, and, and Jesus got to reel us back in. But we need to keep our eyes on him. So anyway, if praise team wants to come forward today,
I wanted to hit this for closing today. And in John 15, and this is a point I want to make, but, but Satan offered Jesus a crown without the cross. And if you read through the scripture, you'll see it several times in Matthew 4, Luke 4, where Satan offers Jesus a crown without the cross. And I think a lot of us get hung up in this place. Satan offers us a crown without the cross, and we get distracted, and it's a trap. You know, when people come to Christ and, and they change their life, and, and anyway, I know that in one case that, that we've had people that, that they need a job, and, and they're on fire for Jesus, and then Satan will give them a crown of a job on Sundays and Wednesdays where they can't be with the Lord. They'll take it, and then they're back in a desolate place again. That's just a little example. But John 16, or 615 account of feeding the 5,000, after it was done, Jesus perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And so again, earlier, that's why I was being careful to say that Jesus was interceding for his disciples about the storm when Jesus could have been simply interceding for himself because Satan had offered him a crown, they'll make you king right now without the cross. You don't have to go to the cross. And so maybe Jesus was praying through on that, but, but maybe he made his disciples go away. He made them, which means in this passage, through the Greek means compel and suggest a crisis. When they said this, it was a crisis to Jesus. When they were trying to force him to be king, that was a crisis. And he said to the disciples, you go. And I think maybe so they didn't get caught up in the enthusiasm and miss the track, miss the mark. I don't know. But I know that Jesus was interceding on behalf of himself and the disciples. And he had to keep his eyes on God the same way as we need to keep our eyes on God and Jesus and follow the Holy Spirit because the enemy's offering us crowns without the cross. So what that means is anything you allow in your life that isn't backed by the cross or takes away from the cross, maybe you need to kick it out. Because we're searching. We're searching. I'm praying for a gentleman now because I'm worried he's walking away from his calling. Because there's, there's, there's no that boys in the ministry, guys, from people. And I've been in the that boys at Freeman when you felt like you were something. And you could walk down the hallways and people said, that was Kent Garfield. That's the crown the world offers. And I worry about people in the ministry especially. Lots of pastors quit now. Because they want the crown of, of, of people's satisfaction or being blessed by people instead of the satisfaction of being blessed by God. But I think that's where Jesus was at. I can take this worldly crown or I can continue to the cross and take God's crown. 
And that's what he's saying to you today. What are you anxious about today? Don't go to the world. Don't go to the world and and, and get their crown. Go to the cross and get the crown that lasts forever. Jesus, the Son of God. But regardless, Jesus was protecting the body. When he went to prayer, he he was protecting them. So you may feel like, where's Jesus at? Well, he's there, guys. He was with the disciples all the time, but he was in that prayer time that, that seeking the cross and God to where that he could go and be effective in their life, and he was. But Jesus now has died and he has risen, so he's already interceding on behalf of you now so that you can receive the crown. Nobody can steal that from you. You've got to let it go. And I strongly believe that. I, I strongly believe God won't turn his back on us, but I believe Christians can fall away because they choose. So what did you write on your paper today? And I would challenge you now is how are you trying to fulfill that through the world or through Jesus? Stand to our feet today. I want you to bring these things and lay them at the altar, even if you don't stay. Just come and tap these altars today and as a sign that, Lord, I seek your crown. But if you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that's the first thing you need to do. And then I strongly believe you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't done that, I think you need to do that. If you've done all those things and you're still battle-weary, then you need to come and be renewed in the Holy Ghost. Pray for boldness. Pray that you keep your eyes on the crown and the place will be shaken and you'll be renewed in Him. But Jesus wants to bless your life. And what you have may not look that good, but He's going to bless it. Amen? Come to these altars today. Praise team.